Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. This is my mom. Am I going to get paid for this? <laughs> and Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air. That's how I know. <laughs> On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Thursday, February 23rd. Good morning, and welcome to another edition of Morning Air on the Memorial of St. Polycarp, Bishop and Martyr. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverance and our studio producer, Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for making us a part of your morning on this Thursday after Ash Wednesday here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Uh, Even though Lent is underway, if you haven't signed up for Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass, it is still not too late. You can still do it this morning. All you have to do is go to relevantradio.com slash Lent. Uh, Today, Father Rocky has a fabulous lesson on the importance of genuflecting before the Blessed Sacrament. Which leads us to what we do every Thursday. We always remember the institution of the Holy Eucharist on Holy Thursday by our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's try to make a visit to the Blessed Sacrament sometime today, if you can, or sometime during the week here uh, in Lent. Today is uh, the memorial of St. Polycarp, Bishop and Martyr. Uh, St. Polycarp converted to Christianity, and he was a disciple of St. John the Apostle. He was also friends with St. Ignatius of Antioch and taught. St. Irenaeus. Now, at age 86, uh, the Roman proconsul asked St. Polycarp to renounce Christ or face death. Listen to how he responded. 86 years I have served him, and he has never done me wrong. How then should I be able to blaspheme my king who has saved me? Powerful words, great reminder uh, from St. Polycarp. I want to bring in our morning air team as we do every morning, Glenn and Sarah. Glenn, uh, what are a few of the big stories that are making headlines uh, here on this Thursday morning? Well, as we get to those, just thinking about uh, Polycarp, uh, what a story. But the name Polycarp, uh, there was a <laughs> relevant radio employee about 20 years ago who, who found his spouse through Catholic Match and uh, in the early days, and uh, they were expecting, blessed with several children in their marriage. But the first one, I remember uh, the staff kind of uh, asking him and badgering him to, to call his baby Polycarp, and I don't think it turned out that way, but a uh, uh, solid person. Probably not in the, the top five <laughs> names for boys or girls. That just doesn't seem like one of those names that rolls off the tongue. That is no, a Catholic I mean, family. You know, I mean, Patrick Madrid lately has been encouraging folks to make sure they give their kids, uh, they got to give kids saints names. So a polycarp probably available, but maybe hard to find that bicycle license plate. With yeah, that might, you might have to get that specially made. <laughs> oh, but we digress uh, from uh, bigger news stories. Uh, the president back in the U.S. now after the trip to Ukraine and, and Poland also a warning to China uh, who uh, U.S. intelligence sources uh, may be considering giving lethal aid as opposed to just buying Russian oil and gas but providing some weaponry, and that would ratchet things up uh, uh, another level higher in all of this uh, worldwide tension, along with Russia stepping out of the uh, START treaty as well, the last uh, treaty that limits uh, nuclear uh, weapons and allows for inspections on both sides. And so, uh, you know, those aren't good steps there, guys. Meanwhile, closer to home, uh, Glenn, a story that caught my attention uh, because it involves uh, journalists. Uh, a horrific shooting of a TV reporter in Orlando yesterday while reporting on a homicide scene. Uh, just a, a horrible story. Uh, what, what details do we have? Well, the, uh, the suspected bad guy there who has been detained now, uh, you know, killed someone in the morning. 
TV uh, crew shows up uh, and uh, the vehicle they were in gets shot at and uh, kills the reporter, wounds, wounds the, the camera person, and then uh, the uh, perpetrator goes to a nearby house and, and, uh, and shoots and uh, kills a child and uh, wounds a mother, uh, both randomly, just uh, later in the middle of the day after uh, kind of hanging out, apparently, in the uh, the area where this happened. But, uh, you know, goes to show that uh, even journalists end up kind of being on the front line. We see that, of course, and expect not their death, but that they're, you know, sometimes in harm's way when we look at reporting from war scenes. But don't anticipate that in the U.S. No, you don't think of that in the U.S. In fact, just last year alone, there were 40 journalists that were killed uh, while uh, in action while reporting only one uh, here in America. Uh, but uh, again, it's a reminder of... Um, you know, reporters, journalists, especially TV reporters, uh, you know, they're out there covering these crime scenes and, you know, you just never know uh, what, what can happen. And uh, it really hit home uh, because obviously it's it's a terrible tragedy. And, uh, you know, from what I understand, the, the vehicle was unmarked. So perhaps this criminal... Um, Thought that it was a, a police vehicle when he returned back to uh, to the scene of the crime, and uh, you know, our hearts go out uh, to uh, to this reporter. They haven't disclosed the, the name of of the reporter and the cameraman, um, but uh, obviously, our, our prayers are, are with uh, with uh, their families and everybody involved. Yeah, and, and ironic to think maybe the truck was unmarked uh, for for safety reasons. Uh, a while back, my wife, who works in radio news as well, uh, worked in Minneapolis for a, a big uh, big radio news operation. And uh, before anchoring, later in the morning, would be out on the scene early in the morning, along with the TV trucks. And once in a while, they'd have to skedaddle out of uh, tough situations, which uh, you know kind of unnerves everyone. It's bad enough you're going there to report from, you know, down the block from a, a house fire or a dead body laying in the street after a gang fight, something like that, and uh, but occasionally to be chased out of the area. Uh, so as much as uh, reporters and general media are frowned upon by so many Americans these days, kind of popular to, uh, to bash the media, but uh, sometimes it's a job where you're putting your life on the line. It really hits home. I spent uh, many, uh, many a day in live trucks and uh, in those news vehicles back in my TV days. So, uh, you know, it, uh, this is one that really, uh, you know, really uh, touches me uh, as, a, as a fellow uh, journalist and media person. Um, what's going on? What's the latest with that massive winter storm? I know it, it's hit uh, your area, Glen, Minneapolis, uh, big time. Well, when we talk about crime on the streets, uh, saying in North Dakota that 20 below keeps out the riffraff, uh, and uh, that may well be true. Not a lot of activity going on outside across the northern tier of states in the U.S. Uh, Twin Cities area under a blizzard warning still that continues, especially for parts of western Minnesota. But a lot of the Dakotas dealt with this the past day and a half, and uh, some of Wisconsin. And moving across the northern tier of states as well, Michigan experiencing some of that too. Uh, a lot of the Twin City area activity closed down, a 1,000 flights uh, Halted so far across the U.S. The 1,200 now is the latest uh, uh, for today. Minneapolis, one of the most heavily impacted areas. 50% of the flights yesterday were grounded. Uh, winter weather alerts uh, in parts, either blizzard or winter storm warnings or uh, have you advisories in 20 states in recent days. Uh, and so a lot of folks dealing with this. And, and for kids, no longer a pure snow day, as we talked about a little bit yesterday, but an e-learning day, as they, as they call it now. But those days aren't generally as long as a day in the classroom. So I'm sure there'll be some, 
sliding and skating and shoveling and snowball fights before long here. Well, if they're anything like my kids, when they were doing e-learning, there was a lot of um, unauthorized bathroom trips and trips to the refrigerator when it was not snack or lunchtime. So you got to keep an eye on those kids. They're always trying to, oh, I just need to take a break for a little bit. Okay, okay, I guess get back to work, guys. So you have to keep a little eye on them, but I'm sure they'll have a good time. Bottom line, if you're out on the road, whether it's snow or ice, uh, drive safely. As always, uh, thanks, uh, Sarah and Glenn. Thanks for thing, John. We always begin every morning here on the show in prayer, giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit every morning when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now this morning, we're going to continue with the new University of Mary Prime Matter series, which seeks to help shape and form the minds of the Catholic faithful to better see and engage the world from a Catholic worldview. Today, we're going to talk about the point of apologetics. If you listen to Morning Air on a regular basis, we we talk about apologetics here on the show on a regular basis. We've discussed some of the common questions and common objections and arguments uh, of our Catholic faith. Now, what is the point of apologetics? I've learned over the years that the point is not merely to win arguments, but to give a reasonable explanation of what we believe and why we believe it and to do it with charity. Joining us live is Monsignor James Shea, the president of the University of Mary and a regular contributor to Morning Air and Relevant Radio. To learn much more about the University of Mary, visit Come to Mary.life. Good morning, Monsignor Shea. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Great to be with you once again here on day two of Lent. Good morning, John. Good morning to you and to all of our listeners, and a blessed Lent to all of you. Well, Monsignor, um, the topic of apologetics is once uh, one topic that uh, that I really appreciate. Uh, you know, I got interested uh, in apologetics way back uh, in in the '90s when I was trying to defend my Catholic faith from my then Protestant girlfriend, and so uh, it, it's it's a really interesting topic. But just uh, so that uh, you know, we we start from square one and we're all on the same page. Can you explain what does apologetics actually mean? Well, apologetics, John, is something that has a a long and distinguished part of the Christian tradition. It goes back to the very beginning. If you look at the third chapter of Peter's first letter, he says, and this is sort of a famous quote for Christians, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that is within you, but do it with gentleness and with reverence. And so that's from St. Peter the Apostle. Always be ready to give a defense or a reason for the hope that's within you. So that word that he uses is apologia, which is the word apologetics. And it's often translated as defense. And it comes from a deeper or another Greek word, logos, uh, which means reason or rationality. So the general, the general sense of apologetics is to give a reasoned defense of the faith, 
It goes all the way back to the apostles who often oftentimes had to do that in front of skeptical or hostile crowds. This is this sort of reasoned defense. Apologetics is necessary in the Christian life whenever Christianity is being preached or when it's under when it's under attack. So this sort of defense is especially important today because our culture is so rationalistic but also so very eager to run away from its Christian past. So all of us who are disciples of Jesus in this time need to be prepared to give a reasoned defense of our belief. In the modern age, every educated believer has to be something of an apologist. We have to give a defense of our faith. We have to give a reasoned account of why we believe and the hope that is within us. And Monsignor, uh, that verse, uh, 1 Peter 3.15, really in many ways is the crown jewel of apologetics because uh, it's it's very deep uh, what uh, our first uh, Holy Father, first Pope, uh, St. Peter, uh, says. I think that the the ending part is important as well, not only be able to give a, a defense or a reason for what we believe, but to do it with gentleness and reverence, in other words, with charity. Right. So gentleness and reverence, gentleness toward those with whom we're speaking, because we're not trying to club somebody over the head. We're not trying to win an intellectual wrestling match. And with reverence toward God, because we understand that we're not the ones actually in the end who win or lose arguments on behalf of God. It's God himself who works and who moves through the world, testing hearts and testing souls. And in the work of apologetics, we're, we're giving witness to the faith, but ultimately we're an instrument of God, and we want to make ourselves a worthy instrument. That's why we do it with reverence. And our Catholic faith has a long tradition that goes all the way back to, to the early church, obviously uh, with uh, St. Peter himself, but uh, some of the early church fathers like uh, uh, St. Justin Martyr, uh, St. Augustine, uh, uh, Thomas Aquinas, some of the greatest minds, all were able to defend and explain uh, what we believe and why we believe it. Right, and it's important it's important always for us to, to take a look, not simply at the brilliance of their arguments, but the manner of their argument or the method that they used. The point of apologetics is not to win an argumentative wrestling match, as I said before, or to make somebody else look stupid or unintelligent, because none of that really brings the gospel forward. None of it furthers the kingdom. It's, it's intellectual pride. It's vanity when we do it that way. Christ has to be kept at the center of it all. So apologetics has the task of clearing away obstructions that get in the path of another's authentic encounter with Christ. So the point of apologetics, John, is, is, is not to prove that Christianity is undeniably true. Instead, the point is to show that Christianity is plausible and worthy of serious consideration. And this adds a bit of freedom to apologetics, and it respects the fact that conversion is a process, because we wonder if sometimes well-meaning Christians go down the paths of argument or take a tone that's ultimately unhelpful because they, they believe that it's their job to get another person to admit that Christianity is undeniably true over the course of a single conversation. A mistake that we can make sometimes, John, is to overestimate what we can do in a single conversation and underestimate what God can do in the, in the course of a month or a year. It's the Lord's work to change hearts. Our work is to give a reasoned defense, to witness to hope, as John Paul II, our great hero, used to say so often. 
And Monsignor Shea, would you say that uh, apologetics uh, has made a comeback in recent years, especially with uh, so many former Protestant and evangelicals uh, who have uh, discovered and come into the Catholic faith? You know, I, I think of people like Dr. Scott Hahn, uh, who was just on with uh, with Drew Mariani just the other day, uh, Tim Staples, uh, Steve Ray. I mean, there's there's literally thousands of Protestant ministers uh, who have studied uh, apologetics and studied the Bible and have come into the Catholic Church. Yeah, so I think I think we do see something here, John, of the movement of the Holy Spirit. Because uh, on the one hand, as I said before, we live in a time in which there's a tremendous amount of hostility toward the Christian faith. And that's because our society or our culture is running away from its Christian past. It is trying to establish what is the first post-Christian society or the first post-Christian culture in history. And so it's more necessary than ever before for believers to give a reasoned defense for why we believe what we believe. Now in the course of that, that's true for all Christians, for all disciples of Jesus, for all believers. And so what happens then is that the Catholic faith which is so deeply founded upon reason, comes to shine more and more. I remember when I was a uh, high school student hearing for the first time on an old VHS tape uh, a testimony that Scott Hahn had given at, at a conference somewhere, and it was his conversion story. So this is before his conversion story, in a certain sense, went serial. And I remember being so moved by the depth of his belief when he was growing up, by the transformative power of the gospel in his life, but then so deeply moved and really, in a certain sense, proud in a holy way, not proud in the way <laughs> that leads to sort of darkness, but proud in a holy way of the, of the, the encounter that he had with the Catholic faith, with the internal wrestling, not the wrestling with other people, first of all, but the internal wrestling that that led to, and ultimately to his conversion to Catholicism. And so I think that we're seeing a resurgence for, in the way that you reference for two different reasons. On the first hand, because we've, we live in a time in which all believers in Jesus have to be ready to give a defense for their faith, have to be ready to give a reason, as St. Peter says, for the hope that we hold within us. And second, because at, at all things being equal, the Catholic faith presents a, a deeply reasonable and plausible effort to do that. In other words, because the Lord's reason itself is infused into the very foundations of the Catholic faith. And so when you mentioned all of those great apologists of the Christian past, you realize um, that, that their great uh, depth of knowledge, their tremendous wisdom, their facility to be able to do things uh, and to articulate the faith in such a, a, a both um, profound and, and, and wise way, and also in a winsome way, with gentleness and with reverence, uh, comes from the depth of their Catholic faith. Uh, gentleness and reverence is not uh, what comes to mind when I think sometimes of social media. You know, apologetics uh, is now a scene uh, on social media like Twitter and Facebook, and you see people arguing and they get into these heated uh, discussions. Uh, what do you think is the best way to uh, defend our faith uh, on social media? Well, so we make this point in the article on Prime Matters uh, on the point of apologetics that so oftentimes you see 
uh, an event build on social media, whether it's an event that's going to take place in real life or an event that's going to take place in a digital format as come watch so-and-so a decimate so-and-so on this particular topic, you know? And so people are... Like uh, a heavyweight are, fight. No, right, exactly, like a heavyweight fight. And, and this, is the, this is the way uh, that all of our discourse, not just our, our discourse around questions of faith, but our discourse around politics, our discourse around our common life, our discourse around moral issues, all of these things are pitched in such a contentious fashion uh, instead of the way that we're meant to do it, which is not to win an argument, but to win a soul. In other words, uh, so so social media, because of the of the way that it's structured, presents a particular danger. Of course, it presents an opportunity as well, but it presents a danger. And I think that Catholics need, and this is a good thing for the second day of Lent. Catholics need to examine our consciences carefully and to make sure that we are sources not of heat, but of light in the world. That's what Jesus calls us, to be salt and light, not to be heat. <laughs> and so it's super important for us uh, to make sure that whenever we're giving testimony, whenever we're witnessing to the faith, that we're doing so with the conquering joy of the gospel, not with the bitterness of pride or vanity. Well, Monsignor here at, at Relevant Radio, we're blessed uh, to have a colleague in Patrick Madrid, uh, who is a, a, a former apologist. That's what he did for a living uh, for many, many years. And, you know, I, I've always been impressed by how calm he is in answering questions and dealing uh, with uh, all kinds of arguments against the, the faith. Uh, I, I remember w hearing and watching him debate uh, famous uh, Protestants like James White, and he always did it in such a cool, calm, and charitable way. There's a lot that we can learn from that. Well, absolutely. And that's because it's not about him. Isn't that right? In other words, the, when, we, when we lose our cool, it's because we're concerned about ourselves. It's because our own ego is getting in the way. It's because uh, we don't want ourselves to be humiliated or damaged or, uh, or proven wrong. But that's not what apologetics is about. Apologetics is about re receiving the truth of God into our own minds and hearts and then witnessing to it with joy and with freedom. And that means that it's about God. And if it's about God, we know that God isn't worried. God isn't worked up. God is steady. God is present and God is reliable in that way. And we're giving witness to him and to his truth in apologia, in uh, giving word, in, in giving defense of the faith that we believe in. And I think, Monsignor, just as a final uh, thought, uh, it's important that uh, we uh, continue to try to grow in holiness, uh, to, to defend the faith with charity, and also to study our faith so that we actually know what we're talking about when we're giving an answer. Yeah, we have to we have to dedicate our lives to soundness of study, soundness of teaching, and holiness of life. It does no good uh, to engage in apologetics if people can look at our lives and see that we're not really bearing witness to it. And that's the that's the whole joy of this season of bright sadness, this season of Lent, because we have an opportunity for our own lives to be deeply converted. And there are special graces in the air all around us during Lent. Uh, that God makes available to us for our own conversion. And we need to start with that. First, we need to preach the truth to ourselves and then live it as though it's true. And that's a, a great adventure with God to do it, to live that way. 
Well, Monsignor Shea, as always, a fabulous uh, discussion. I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much uh, for joining us. Gosh, I love joining you too. Uh, have a blessed Lent, John, and God bless you and all of our listeners. We'll talk to you soon. Monsignor James Shea, the president of the University of Mary and a regular contributor to Morning Air. To learn much more about the University of Mary, visit cometomary.life. We need to take a, a short time out when we come back. Catholic speaker and host of the Girlfriends podcast, Danielle Bean, will be with us uh, to talk about six ideas to have the best Lent you've ever had. Stay with us as Morning Air continues on this Thursday here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This is Morning Air, your home for faith, fun, and news in the morning on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much uh, for tuning in and being with us on this Thursday after Ash Wednesday. I'm so glad you could join us here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app as we continue our journey together through Lent. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from Revelation 3.20. Our Lord Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. Our Lord Jesus Christ wants us to hear his voice. He knocks on the door of our hearts, inviting us to sup with him, that is, to eat his body and blood in the Holy Eucharist. Christ desires a close intimacy with each and every one of us. The question is, do we really take advantage of this gift of love? of his true presence, substantially present in the sacred host under the appearances of bread and wine in the most holy Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Let's uh, start today, it's still early here in Lent, uh, by opening the door of our hearts and letting our Lord Jesus feed us with the bread of life, the Holy Eucharist. And we always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. So Lent uh, is underway. Uh, the question is, uh, how was your Ash Wednesday yesterday uh, on day one of Lent? Uh, we want to talk about a, a few ideas uh, here this morning uh, to, to really have a much uh, a better Lent. And uh, I've, I've got literally a virtual cornucopia of Lenten ideas, 40 days, 40 different ways uh, to go through Lent. I spoke uh, to Dr. Marcelino D'Ambrosio, known uh, as Dr. Italy. Uh, he's a theologian, international speaker, and the author of numerous uh, best-selling books, including Jesus, the Way, the Truth, and the Life, along with the uh, study program that goes with it. Spoke to Dr. Marcelino uh, about uh, this uh, this way of looking at Lent. He has uh, a myriad of ideas. Here's my conversation with Dr. Marcelino D'Ambrosio. Good morning, Dr. Marcelino. What a joy it is to be connected with you once again. Thanks for being with us. John, it's great being with you. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Uh, I was very impressed uh, with uh, the story on your CrossroadsInitiative.com uh, website. Uh, you have uh, 40 Lenten ideas to get more out of the season, 40 days, 40 ways. What was your main aim, your, your motivation in coming up with all of these myriad of ideas? The main motivation is to make Lent last just the, the season of come hanging our head 
and introspection, looking at ourselves, and make it a season of training, because that's really what it was um, in the early church. It was a season of, of uh, you know, it's funny, John, I don't know about you, but I belong to a gym. They had these um, 60-day challenges. You know, you, you go in and you sign up and you ha- set goals and you get a trainer and you get a plan, and uh, you're going to be a different person by the end of that period of time. And uh, they even had before and after pictures of the people who did it last year and who won the prize, you know. And this is really the point of Lent is to win the prize. It, it's, it's really a, a season where we become the champions that we're called to be, that we do during this season what we really ought to be doing all the time, and that is uh, training. And using prayer, fasting, almsgiving, and spiritual exercises to become more for God, to, to really put Him first in our lives, to love Him with our whole heart, our whole soul, our whole strength. And the problem with Lent a lot of times is that um, we repent, which is really important. We, I, I really recommend everybody get the confession during this time. And, um, and we, we sacrifice. We make some sort of sacrifices. You know, what do you give up for Lent? But if you really take a look at, at, at the first Sunday of Lent and the story of Jesus' temptation, Jesus really gives us the reason for fasting. People say, uh, you know, like, you know I, I gave, I, what am I going to give up this year? Okay, Jesus didn't eat for 40 days, and when Satan wanted him to turn stones into bread, what did he say? He said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And, and like, the whole point of giving something up is to make room for real food, which is the word of God. So, you know, there's a lot of things that we really need to be doing here to, to grow strong in the Lord. And, um, and so I, I put together 40 ideas not that everyone should do all of them by any means, but it, it's it's things that people can easily incorporate into their life. And if you do one, two, or three of them, in addition to the thing you've always done, like giving up chocolate, um, you can find real progress, and you can really get somewhere. Uh, and that's kind of the point is in Lent is not just to wander around in the desert for forty days, forty years like the Israelites, but in forty days to really make a beeline to the promised land. Well, th- this is really uh, like a smorgasbord of ideas. They're, they're all so good. But like you said, you know, you, you don't want to try to do them all. You want to just pick out a, a few, uh, maybe just three ideas. Uh, can you talk about uh, the, the beginning of uh, your 40 ideas in which you recommend praying to the Holy Spirit for guidance uh, so you can figure out what you want to do here uh, early on in Lent? Yeah, you know, if you're going to really do well in the gym, you need a personal trainer who sets the plan and, and uh, you know, kind of customizes things based on your goals and your body type and your state of fitness and all that stuff. Well, we have a supernatural trainer, a personal trainer, each one of us, and that's the Holy Spirit. And, and I think a lot of times we don't really trust and believe that he really will guide us, that he really has a plan that he'll show us the next best step for our lives. So that's the first thing to do in Lent is not just to think about what am I going to do for Lent, but ask the Lord. Holy Spirit, you know where the Lord wants me to go. Jesus is directing me. He's calling me closer. Uh, through, through him to the Father, he has a plan for me. Holy Spirit, guide me into that plan. Um, show me the next best step. And I, So I think that is a simple prayer that we can all pray. And then there's, the 40 ideas are at the beginning of the book, and you just kind of can go over them. Um, and, the, and, and then a lot of times... You feel drawn to one thing or another. You feel strong. Wow, that's really interesting. It's almost like the Holy Spirit uses a highlighter to to make something leap off the page to you. 
And, and that's a sign that, that that's something you ought to pursue. Um, so, uh, you know, I recommend that people look over the list and, and really listen that way after praying and see what they're drawn to. And, um, and then begin doing those, those one or two or maybe three things at the most faithfully throughout Lent. The book actually takes you day by day throughout Lent and opens up different Lenten themes. It's just uh, very short, easy to read, inspiring. So as you're doing these one or two or three things that that you've picked out from the list every day, um, you're reading something new every day to refresh you and and, and make things come alive. And I think that's the point we can get bogged down and Lent can become just a sog through the the trackless wasteland, you know. And and it really... um, is supposed to be a time of discovery. Uh, we're, we're discovering the Lord anew as we pay more attention to him um, and put our focus on him. He reveals new things to us, and, and um, he, he makes things new. That's what he does. He makes all things new. Absolutely. And we're joined this morning by uh, noted theologian, Dr. Marcelino D'Ambrosio. Uh, and we're talking about uh, 40 different Lenten ideas so you can get more out of this season of Lent. I love your analogy, uh, Dr. Marcelino, uh, of, of the personal trainer uh, tapping into the Holy Spirit, because uh, I, I believe that uh, Lent is a lot like uh, spring training in baseball, where you go back to the basics, you go back to fundamentals, just just like a personal trainer, you go back to working uh, on on the basics. And for us as Catholics, I think one of the most important basics is the Holy Eucharist, uh, the Mass. Can you give us a few uh, ideas for uh, some uh, Eucharistic ways uh, to grow here in Lent? Yeah, there's been a revival in Eucharistic adoration. And I, I want to just make the point that Eucharistic adoration is not limited to the times when the Blessed Sacrament is exposed in the monstrance. That's exposition, that's, that's a solemn form of adoration, that's great. But anytime you sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament in the tabernacle, repose in the tabernacle, and, and you're worshiping him, and you're listening to him, that's adoration too. And I think um, it's wonderful to go sign up for an hour of adoration. But, you know, it's, it's also phenomenal to get to Mass five minutes early and have some prayer time, or linger a few minutes after Mass and adore the Lord, who is, if you've received communion, he's made you a tabernacle, um, and you sit in front of the, the, the tabernacle as well, you know. And, and there's this wonderful, wonderful time of just rest and repose. Um, you know, so my point is we need to get a little bit more flexible with our idea of what adoration is and then just try to find ways to do a bit more of it during this season of Lent. Um, and so, you know, I think that's, that's kind of the key. And, and um, there's some teaching on adoration in this book and also on my website, you know, the, the website, DrItaly.com, uh, the ministry is Crossroads Initiative, and you can get there to, by typing in CrossroadsInitiative.com, or for short, DrItaly.com brings you there. But there's a whole Lenten library there of free resources, besides this wonderful book that everyone can buy, and they can get it on Amazon, they can get it as a Kindle, so they have it, you know, as soon as you order it, you can get it as an audio book, um, Audible, Amazon Audible, you can get that, you know, the day that you order it, um, but, it, but uh, so you can get the book, but you can also make use of the free resources on the site to enrich your Lent. So I encourage everyone to come and sign up for the weekly email all throughout Lent, the special tidbits that I'll be sending out to people um, every week to help them grow and enter into the season. 
And a lot of people are trying to go to daily mass, which is another one of uh, your uh, 40 uh, Lenten ideas, just getting to daily mass. I, at mass yesterday, I couldn't believe how packed the place was. It almost looked like a Sunday mass here uh, across the street uh, from our studios at St. Paul the Cross here in suburban Chicago. Uh, people are really taking it to heart to try to get to daily mass. Yes, and you know, I know that for some people, getting to mass every single day is probably not going to work because of a work schedule or whatever, you know, it, it, it really, really depends on your lifestyle, what your call is at this point in time. But one of the things that I recommend strongly is if you can't get to mass every day, get, get, get to mass, get to mass on Friday, if you can, which is a special day, remembering the Lord's death. It's a day of penance. And it doesn't mean just hitting yourself. It means really rehab, spiritual rehab and, and, and doing reparation. And, and that, there's nothing more powerful for you and for the world than getting to Mass. So even if you get to Mass one or two days more a week other than Sunday, that's still a phenomenal step in the right direction. And that was part of my conversation with uh, my good friend, Dr. Italy, Dr. Marcelino D'Ambrosio, the director of the Crossroads Initiative. He has a, a fabulous uh, article called 40 Ways to Get More Out of Lent. There are so many ideas. In fact, if you'd like to share uh, some ideas with us of uh, how you plan on getting the most out of this Lenten season, we're only in day two here this morning. I would love to hear from you, 888 that's 888 We're going to take a, a short break as uh, we continue our discussion about ways to get the most out of Lent. Uh, there's much more to come on the other side here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. start your day. This is Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's the best day ever. The best day. It's the best day And welcome back to Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on this Thursday morning, the, the Thursday after Ash Wednesday, as uh, we're talking about uh, ways to get the most out of Lent. And I wanted to share something that uh, I uh, myself have been doing and that's spending a little bit of time um, meditating on the Lenten meditations uh, with Archbishop Fulton Sheen, one of my heroes. L- listen to this. Let me just share with you from day one uh, what Fulton Sheen uh, wrote about. There's not a single soul at which God has not knocked thousands of times. As the sun is always illuminating, so God is always acting on the soul. Whether we respond or not to God's summoning of our souls, notice that the first impetus always comes from Him. He seeks us before we dream of seeking Him. He knocks before we invite Him in. He loves us before we respond. Uh, Just one of the many powerful medications. Uh, from uh, the great Archbishop Fulton Sheen uh, that you've heard here on uh, our network on Relevant Radio uh, at so many Sunday mornings. Uh, he's such a powerful uh, teacher. I want to bring in uh, Glenn and Sarah. Um, how are you guys doing? How was day one? How, how was Ash Wednesday yesterday? 
Well, day one so far so good. Uh, we talked yesterday a little bit about some of the things we'd be doing in terms of fasting and uh, almsgiving and, and prayer and trying to add on to those practices and, and get better at them as we make our way through Lent as well. And, uh, you know, in terms of picking up any kind of new studies, I'm involved in a couple different ones at church right now, and one has a fair amount of homework. And so I don't know how much more I can add for, for homework on things. However, uh, encouraging people as they're looking for things to do, maybe things that they can they can do and keep doing beyond Lent. Uh, your local parish might uh, have attendance that sprung back pretty good from COVID, but uh, many that we talked to could use a lot more volunteers. A lot of the volunteers have gone away or some winter elsewhere where it's a little warmer if you're in a northern climate. So maybe consider volunteering at your parish and uh, and keeping that up past Easter. Absolutely. <laughs> Volunteering is, is a great way uh, uh, to do something during Lent. It's not just about giving up things uh, during Lent, but also uh, doing things. Um, you know, I, I like to look at Lent, and you know, I, I mentioned it in my conversation with Dr. Marcelino D'Ambrosio, who had, like I described it, a cornucopia of ideas, 40 different ideas uh, for these 40 days of Lent. And uh, obviously he says, you know, don't try to do all 40. We, we need to focus on just a few. Um, but uh, I think that, you know, spending some time um, reading a, a spiritual book, uh, you know, that's something that we, all of us can do, even if it's just, you know, five, six, seven minutes a day. For example, I've been uh, doing this actually even before Lent started. I've been meditating on uh, the uh, very famous book, one of the most famous books besides the Bible of all time, My Imitation of Christ by Thomas Kempis. Uh, it is a powerful little book. You read one little chapter every day. St. Therese, the Little Flower, and St. Ignatius of Loyola, and many, many saints uh, have been known to have that book uh, right next to their bed on their nightstand. So I figured if it's good enough for the little flower, it's it's good enough for me. That is a good uh, philosophy. Just uh, follow what, what some of those saints are doing, John. I like that. You know, the, one of the things that I think that we often do is uh, we try to do too much. So it is good to keep it simple. But the great thing about Lent is it's not a one-size-fits-all. We don't all have to do the same thing. And what works for one might not work for the other because we all are individuals and we all have different things that um, are, are, we're struggling with, that we need to, to get rid of, that God's trying to clear off on us. But uh, yeah, it is it's a very challenging, but it is an interesting time of year. Absolutely. It is a, uh, a custom fit uh, journey. Everybody can do it a little bit differently. Uh, Joel is joining us this morning uh, from the West Coast, from San Francisco. Good morning, Joel. Welcome to Morning Air. Good morning. Thank you very much for all this uh, energy and effort you put forth on a daily basis, it makes a difference. God bless you. Thank you for the kind words. Really appreciate it, gentlemen. You get up early because you're out on the West Coast, so you're one of our early bird listeners. I I sleep in uh, until about 4 o'clock, and then I I get on the road. I go from San Francisco to San Jose. I work in San Jose. All right, real quick, what's your idea for Lent? well, so what I've been doing for over 25 years, I send out and I give out Lenten booklets. And also, too, every day for the 40 days, I reach out to a friend or a vendor and tell them how much they mean in my life. And also, I stopped 15 years ago. I stopped the news, newspaper, talk radio. That is an addiction. And I stopped it. It's changed my life for the better. Well, God bless you, Joe. Just don't stop listening to Morning Air and Relevant Radio. Really appreciate the call. And um, 
Now, uh, as uh, we do every single morning, uh, a part of our Lenten journey, uh, we have yet another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today called Service Above and Beyond from successful stay-at-home moms on Facebook. My 18-year-old daughter was at Starbucks alone the other night. A man came up to her and started talking to her. A barista handed her an extra hot chocolate that said on the cup, handwritten, quote, someone forgot to pick up. On the cup it said, are you okay? Do you want us to intervene? If you do, just take the lid off the cup. Well, how grateful I am for people who look out for other people. As it was, our daughter did feel safe and did not remove the lid, but she let them know. She said the whole team was watching over her the rest of the time that she was there. A big thank you to the team at Starbucks and Corpus Christi. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. As always, uh, thanks so much, uh, Glenn. Really do appreciate it. I especially love uh, your little scripture at, at the end of every single Story Corner. It's great stuff. Coming up next hour here on Morning Air, we're going to be joined by Marcel Lejeune, the president and founder of Catholic Missionary Disciples, who will tell us what a mature lay Catholic disciple actually looks like. Plus, our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, uh, will be with us to uh, share uh, many different creative ways of doing the Lenten traditional practices of prayer, fasting, and and almsgiving. So uh, I'm sure Father Kabiki will have a, a lot of additional good ideas like the ones we've been talking about so far this morning. So stay with us. There is much more to come in the final hour of Morning Air here on this Thursday morning on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. <laughs> 